I want us to look at uh, our storyline. We're going to pick it up from Abraham. Let's say this together. Abraham is chosen by God to father a people, to represent God to the world. Through Isaac, God tests Abraham's faith and provides in his obedience. Then Esau forfeits his inheritance to Jacob, who carries on God's covenant promise. What Joseph's brothers meant for evil, God uses for the good of many. Today we're going to look at the story of Joseph. It's a story about God's ultimate goal for our life. And God's ultimate goal for our life is not comfort, but character. This is a story about how we become mature in the faith and how God uses people and places and even pain to accomplish his purposes in our lives. Now, I've broken uh, the story of Joseph down into three episodes. <coughs> the pit, the prison, and the palace. So let's, uh, let's go through this story together. And as we do, really ask God to speak to us, that God would reveal himself Uh, to us, who he is, who he created us to be, how sin corrupts our God-given identity, but what God does for us and how we can live in grateful response. Episode one, the pit. Out of all of his sons, Jacob loves Joseph the most. And one day, Jacob gives Joseph a beautiful new coat. And it's a splendid coat with so many rich techno colors. And this makes Joseph's brothers jealous. Where have we heard that before? And they hate him because he is their father's favorite. Where have we heard that before? Well, to make matters worse, Joseph keeps having special dreams And one day he tells his brother about his dreams and saying, in my dreams, I'm the king and all of you bow down to me. So Joseph's brothers hate him even more and they want to kill him. So one day Joseph's brothers grab him, rip off his beautiful coat and throw him into a deep hole. But even in the pit, God is with Joseph. His brothers decide not to kill him, but sell him for 20 pieces of silver to slave traders passing by on their way to Egypt. And to hide their sin, they tear up Joseph's coat, soak it in goat's blood, and take it to their father, saying, We found this in the field. It's Joseph's, isn't it? And crushed, Jacob begins to weep, saying, I will mourn my, father, my son's death until the day that I die. Turn your Bibles or your Bible apps to Genesis chapter 23. In your blue Bible, that's found on page 31. Sorry, Genesis 37. In your blue Bible, that's found on page 31. 
Now, remember, God's passionately pursuing a people for himself. And he wants a family to represent his plan and his purposes to the world. And this time, God chooses to pass down his blessing through Joseph. How does God communicate his plan to Joseph? Through a dream. Through a dream. Only what's the problem? No one teaches Joseph how to carry a vision and a calling from God. No one disciples Joseph and how to be confident in the Lord's promise, but also humble about it. No one helps Joseph with this vision from God about who he is and what he is called to do. And so in his immaturity... Joseph doesn't handle it very well. He boasts about himself rather than God. He's proud rather than generous. And his lack of character clouds his contribution. And he ends up in a pit. It's an abandoned dry cistern, so steep and so deep that he can't get out of it. Hands bound, ankles tied, voice hoarse from shouting, but his brothers ignore him. Even if he could somehow manage to get out, his brothers would just push him back in again. His brothers want nothing to do with him except, well, to profit from his pain. So they sell him into slavery. We're never prepared for a crisis, are we? A crisis, by definition, always sneaks up on us. Joseph's crisis came in the form of a cistern. Your crisis came in the form of abuse or betrayal. Unemployment. Or divorce, a poor choice, or a diagnosis. You know what it feels like to find yourself suddenly in an abandoned, dry cistern. It's dark. It's lonely. Financial woes, relational pain, a family tragedy. You fear you won't make it through. You fear that the depression will never lift. The yelling will never stop. The sadness will never leave. You don't have what it takes. And yet, God is there. And God is in the business of soothing the suffering. God is in the business of rescuing the rejected and redeeming the broken. Like Joseph, you're going to get through the pit. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God's going to use the mess for something good. Whatever pit you find yourself in this morning, I want to encourage you to ask 
for the Holy Spirit to help you open your heart to the nearness of God. You may lose a sense of his presence, but he is always there. God is near. No matter what your mood, no matter what your circumstances, God is always with you, and God will never leave you or forsake you. So whatever pit you find yourself in right now, I want to encourage you to cling to the nearness and the goodness of God. I find it helpful to open my Bible and to make a list of some of the characteristics of God and then to say them out loud. God, you're still sovereign. God, you still know my name. God, you're still faithful. God, you're going to use even this for your glory and for my good. Because, God, that's who you are. Whatever pit you find yourself in this morning, you're going to get through it. It's not going to be painless. It's not going to be quick. But God's going to use the mess for something good because that's who God is. God will use the people and the places, and even the pain in your life to accomplish his purposes in and through you. Episode two, the prison. Meanwhile, the slave traders sell Joseph to a man named Potiphar, the head guard for the Pharaoh of Egypt. And soon Potiphar noticed that God is with Joseph and blesses everything Joseph does. So Potiphar promotes Joseph, putting him in charge of his entire household and his household business. Now, Joseph is a young and handsome man, and Potiphar's wife desires him. But Joseph constantly refuses her, saying that would be a terrible thing, and a great sin against God. But feeling rejected and angry, Potiphar's wife lies to Potiphar, saying, that Hebrew slave you brought here tried to have sex with me. So Potiphar becomes furious and throws Joseph into prison. But even in prison, God is with Joseph. And soon Joseph is put in charge of all the prisoners and everything that happens in the prison. God also gives Joseph not just dreams, but the ability now to interpret dreams. And one day Pharaoh has a terrible dream. And so with God's help, Joseph interprets the dream of Pharaoh saying, for the next seven years, Egypt will have more than enough food. This will be followed by seven years of a terrible famine that will spread over the land when there will not be enough food for everyone. And Pharaoh is so impressed that he puts Joseph in charge of everything in Egypt. Joseph becomes the number two person in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh himself. And Joseph is only 30 years old. Will you turn in your Bibles or your Bible app to Genesis 39 through 41 in your blue Bible, that's on page 33 and 34. 
And in this part of Joseph's narrative, we see more evil, more lies. And again, Joseph ends up in a pit, only this time it's a prison. But even in prison, God is with Joseph. That phrase occurs seven times. The Lord was with Joseph and caused everything he did to succeed. Seven times that phrase appears. Repetition is the key to learning. Do you think the Lord wants us to hear and understand something here? The Lord was with Joseph and caused everything he did to succeed. It's not because Joseph is smart. It's not because Joseph is talented. It's not because Joseph is handsome. It's because God is with him. So Joseph makes a choice. Joseph doesn't become bitter. Joseph chooses to depend on God. This time, Joseph wields his calling not for his sake, but for the sake of others. He uses his gifting and ability to serve. He doesn't brag. He doesn't make it about himself. He takes his focus off himself and focuses on making a positive difference in any way that he possibly can. Joseph could have become bitter, but he chooses to depend on God. And as a result, he blooms where he's planted. How are you feeling trapped or imprisoned? by life circumstances today. You're lonely and you want to be married? Your marriage stinks. You want kids? Your kids are driving you crazy. You hate your job? You've got too many jobs. You don't have enough money? You've got so much money you're exhausted with all the conflict it causes. How are you feeling trapped? How are you feeling imprisoned by life's circumstances today? I want to encourage you. Follow the faith of Joseph and refuse to become bitter. Bitterness is a choice. We can choose to have it or we can choose not to have it. Now, bitterness is not being hurt or angry or depressed. That's not bitterness. Bitterness is something different. It's okay to have those feelings. But bitterness is different. Bitterness is choosing to hold on to your pain. It's refusing to forgive. It's living with a clenched fist rather than an open hand. And bitterness shuts out the work of God in our lives. There's always one thing that you can control, and that is your attitude. The Bible says get rid of all bitterness, and instead be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. It's interesting. How many of you know a bitter person? There's someone in your life that you would say is a bitter person. Okay, now, imagine that person, that bitter person, being kind and compassionate and forgiving. You can't imagine it, can you? Because a bitter person can't be kind and compassionate and forgiving. 
Because when you're bitter, you're always holding on to a scorecard that shows you're behind. So you're always trying to get back, to get even, and to get ahead. We can become bitter, or we can bloom where we're planted. Rather than being bitter, we can choose to be kind and compassionate and forgive and then take whatever gifts and talents God has given us and use those gifts and talents in whatever way we possibly can to serve others, to take our focus off ourselves and to focus on how we can benefit somebody else. And when we do, the Lord will lift us up. You're going to get through this prison. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God is going to use the mess for something good. It's who God is. God will use the people and the places and especially the pain in your life to accomplish his purposes in and through you. So don't despair and don't be bitter. Turn to God. He's with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Episode three, the palace. During the next seven years, Joseph travels throughout Egypt, making sure plenty of food is stored up in each city. And after seven years, the famine comes and spreads throughout the world. So people from every nation come to Egypt to buy food from Joseph. God is with Joseph, and the nations are blessed. When Jacob runs out of food, he sends his sons to Egypt. And when the brothers arrive to buy food, they don't recognize Joseph, and they bow down before him. At first, Joseph is harsh with his brothers, even accusing them of being spies, and he puts them in prison. Joseph is tempted to choose revenge. But God is with Joseph, and he ends up choosing mercy instead. He doesn't return evil with evil, but returns evil with good. Turn in your Bibles or your Bible apps to Genesis 41 through 50. It's a hall. In your blue Bibles, it's on pages 34 through 44. And I want to invite you to imagine this scene in your Holy Spirit-captivated imagination. Joseph can't stand it any longer. He clears the room so that he can be alone with his brothers, and then he he breaks down. He breaks down and begins to weep. And he looks at them and he says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to save many. And hear this. Joseph says, 
you meant to harm me, but God meant it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid, Joseph says, I will provide for you and for your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. The Hebrew word for meant, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. The Hebrew word for meant is chashav, chashav. And it means to weave or to fabricate with thread. Joseph is saying something really significant here. Don't miss this powerful image. Joseph is saying to his brother, you sent me here because you were weaving evil. You sent me here because you were fabricating a lie for your own benefit. But God took those same divisive, deceptive, destructive threads and rewove them into something good. Out of your badness, God created a tapestry of goodness. And with this new beautiful cloth, God has woven together, brothers, I am now clothing you. The blessing and favor of God on Joseph's life, once symbolized by a coat of many colors, is now the very gift of kindness and forgiveness and love with which Joseph clothes his brothers. Pharaoh is so impressed that he invites Jacob and his entire family to live in Egypt. And Pharaoh gives them a plot of the best land, plenty of food. And you know what else Pharaoh gives them? New clothes. So the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob comes to live in the land of Egypt. Y'all, hurting people hurt people. Healed people heal people. Our own experience of loneliness, depression, and fear can actually become a gift for others when we've experienced the redemptive work of God in our lives. Author Henry Nowen calls this being a wounded healer. In his book, The Wounded Healer, Nowen writes this. When we honestly ask ourselves which person in our lives means the most to us, we often find that it is those who, instead of giving advice, solution, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with a warm and tender hand. That's what Joseph does. With a warm and tender hand, he clothes his brothers with forgiveness. With godly love, 
He restores his family to a right relationship. Now and goes on to say, forgiveness is the name of love practiced among people who love poorly. The hard truth is that all people love poorly. So we need to forgive and be forgiven every day, every hour. That's the great work of love among the fellowship of the weak called the human family. One of God's favorite words is through. Because God delights in drawing us near, working for the good in all things, and as we trust him and put him first in every circumstance, as we take our focus off ourselves and do whatever we can to show favor and be a blessing to others, God delights in pulling us through like threads in a greater tapestry, bringing glory to God for our ultimate good. Evil exists, but God can trump every evil. God is the God of Hashav. He can reweave evil into something good. So know the presence, the nearness of God. Cling to who he is and who he has called you to be. And you're going to get through. It's not going to be painless. It's not going to be quick. But God's going to use the mess for something good. And not just for your sake, but for the sake of of others as well for the sake of the good of those around you because that's who God is and that's what God does. Life comes with a lot of challenges. If we've got a pulse, we've got some problems. But what we are reminded of in the narrative of Joseph is that we never have to face our challenges alone. And what we see in this story is that Jesus is the better Joseph. Loved by the Father, rejected by evil men, sold for a few pieces of silver, condemned to die, stripped of his clothes, thrown into a pit, and sent to a hard place, and all to provide for the nations to save many. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And then God raised him up, unrecognized at first, but revealing himself to be Messiah. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, the one who comes to forgive the sins of the world.
forgiving those who betrayed him, using his power to serve them, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting our sins against us, and giving us this wonderful message of reconciliation. That's the gospel. That is the hope that God holds out to us this morning. Whether we're in a pit, whether we're in a prison, or whether we're in a palace on our way to a pit or a prison, because that's the cycle of life. We have hope, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the better Joseph, and he has been given all authority, all power in heaven and on earth to say, what you meant for evil, God meant for the good. You deserve to be punished, but I will show you mercy. I forgive you. I love you. I'm with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. So come, you who are blessed by my Father, and take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Let's pray. Father, as we come to the table this morning, we ask that by your Holy Spirit you would draw near to us and draw us near to you. And whatever circumstance we find ourselves in this morning, we ask that as we take the bread and drink the cup, you would mature our faith. You would increase our hope in you. You would grow our character and weave your good plan and purposes through the people and the places and especially the pain in our lives. That we might not only receive your blessing and favor, but that we might also extend your blessing and favor to others. In Jesus' name, amen.